the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, we've got some interesting topics to discuss. In a few moments, we will catch up with Cheryl Chumley. I really like Cheryl Chumley. I have talked about her before. She is the editorial page, at uh, the online op-ed editor, I think that's right, for the Washington Times, which is a good enough thing. That's a job there that's important. But what's really great is she writes a lot. And she's got a column uh, that ran in the last day or so, uh, basically describing uh, Republicans and Democrats agree uh, that there's, uh, you know, doomsday. And basically she's describing what I've been saying, which is, you know, a third of the country is brainwashed to believe it's a disaster from the left. A third uh, from the right and the rest in the middle are being brainwashed probably on a mixed bag. But we'll talk with her, Cheryl Trumley. And also we will visit with uh, Rick Mehta. We had Rick Mehta on the show before. He's a pharmacist by training, but became a lawyer, worked in the FDA and ran for office. And I tell people, if you run for office, you know, politics, it changes the way you look at things. So we'll talk with him about Obamacare and some of how the Obamacare um, law has grown and grown and grown. You think 87,000 new IRS agents is bad, and it is. Um, it's a worry. There's a lot of bureaucrats. The uh, the Obamacare has grown and grown and grown in aspects people cannot barely realize. So we'll talk with him. All right. But first, you have to watch closely, and I'm here to do it for you, to see what's going on in the world. All over the world, there is a growing movement, call it populist, call it uh, nation first, as in Italy first or Sweden first, call it uh, a reaction against the progressive movement, whatever you want to call it, it has the markings in all these different places of a surging interest in the voters, in the citizens of these nations, in putting their own people, their own citizens first, and being therefore against some of the policies that seem to be for the rest of the world first. For example, uh, there's a move to be uh, uh, against immigration, especially large-scale immigration. That's happening in Italy. It's happening in France. It's happening even in Germany. Certainly happening in Poland and Hungary, where very popular govern governments win. But it's even happening in Sweden. So there's this growing sense in the world of voters on the center-right who are wanting a kind of nationalist, populist, whatever you want to call it. And this is deeply threatening to lots of people on the left who want the opposite or want something different. Now, you can say, well, is it a, is it a new world order? Sure looks like it. But is it in Sweden? Is the, is the current liberal government, I think they're called the uh, Swedish Democrats. Is that what they're called? They're Social Democrats. Social Democrats are the left wingers. The Swedish Democrats are conservative. Funny names in, the, in these countries where there's multiple, uh, multiple uh, parties. You know, there's third, fourth, fifth parties. But what you need to know is, as the world is seeing things in the West, let me say that differently. What you need to know is there is a growing movement amongst citizens for more control over their sovereignty. You, you saw this with Brexit, you know, five or six years ago. You did see it with Trump. 
You also saw it, by the way, with somebody like um, uh, uh, Boris Johnson, some of the popularity. He, I don't think he turned out to be particularly conservative, but the, the movement across the world is for more citizens focused on their nation first. Okay, so there you have it. Well, in the next couple of weeks, there'll be uh, elections. And I think in Sweden, they've got an election that's uh, that's just happened. And uh, and they it looks like the center right coalition won, and the right wing, the sort of populist wing has um, has uh, surged forward. So you got Poland, very much Poland first, very much populist, very much uh, for sovereignty of Poland. Same thing in Hungary. Both those governments have won and they've won multiple times. Now you have Sweden where a, a center right and right wing has won and will govern. They'll appoint the prime minister, a coalition. And so you have Europe aghast, the European Union, the, the, the bureaucrats, the parliament, everyone. Oh, my gosh, what can happen now in 10 days? Less than that, about a week, week and two or three days. Anyway, the 24th of September, there will be another election this time in Italy. And here's what I want to talk. Here's what you need to know. Out of Italy now, the news is breaking in the last day or day and a half that there is a U.S. intelligence dossier. OK, so the United States intelligence community, including the State Department, has con- confirmed a dossier, a dossier that has been sent from the United States Department of State, Secretary of State Blinken, out to the embassies, and it's a warning. So it's a U.S. intelligence dossier. Remember there was a dossier, the Steele dossier, which the FBI used as a way to do something. This dossier, published by the Biden administration, is saying beware of money, hundreds of millions of dollars, that may have been spent, we can't prove it, we don't know, in covert international influence in Italy. And the idea is what? The idea is the Russians, again, we're back to a Russia, Russia, Russia thing. The Russians have spent money in Italy, breathlessly, this is as dossier says, and they could have, might have, maybe, sort of, could have, we don't know, spent hundreds of millions of dollars supporting center-right conservative groups. None of it is proven. The people who are leading the center-right parties, Salvini is one of them. He said, no, not us. Conte, which is the five-star movement, is not actually that conservative. But Conte said, not us. We didn't take any money. Georgia Maloney, who heads up the, the other one of the more conservative party, said, not us. So we have the American government, the American intelligence community, publishing a dossier a week before an election and leaking it to the press. So that the press is writing about whether right center right or right wing groups that are surging in the polls, whether they've been getting funding from the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Now, I don't know if they do or don't get funding. I I, I take them at their word that they denied it, but I don't know. But I do know how is it possible that a week before the Italian people get to vote, the U.S. government is dropping an intelligence dossier that's detailing $300 million and blaming Russia, Russia, Russia for maybe funding somebody we don't know. And the media gets it because the Associated Press has confirmed the existence of this dossier and the existence of the cable when they were asked. So the State Department sends it. The intelligence community creates it. The State Department sends it. The press is told to ask for it. And now the media covers it. And big tech and big media are going to cover in Italy the idea that maybe some of the groups are getting money 
from a foreign entity. Now, you tell me, if you're an Italian citizen, how you don't look up and think, man, th- these people are, are getting involved in our elections. These people are, are getting involved in what we're deciding. How do you not feel that? What kind of person, what kind of citizen looks up and says, oh, that's no big deal. There's the Americans coming with a U.S. intelligence created dossier. And we're back to this. What you need to know is distrust and verify is what you have to believe when it comes to the intelligence community and the leaks that they do in this kind of environment. Because now we find out that some of the sources for the Russian, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, the Steele dossier, were on the payroll of the FBI. Now we find out that there's other aspects of all this different FBI work that appears to have been managed just to get at Trump. The Steele dossier was a political hit from the Hillary Clinton campaign, and the, and, the, and the FBI knew it, or the Department of Justice knew it. So you tell me how the, the rest of the world is supposed to, citizens are supposed to look up and say, um, what? Now, I assume, I assume that in the past, the CIA and others were involved in foreign elections. I mean, I I don't think I have to be a brain surgeon to to believe that's true. And I believe that at various times, you and I would have said, well, we need our intelligence community to be able to help because we don't, you know, we were worried about world communism. But is it really the conservatives in, 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 in Italy that are the threat to us? Is that the justification? And by the way, at this point in the last 10 years, the intelligence community has proven that di- distrust and verify is the only thing. So when they, the di- when the intelligence community gathers 50 or 51 serious intelligence community seniors, retired mostly, the senior leaders get out and say, oh, oh, the Russian disinformation, that's what the Hunter Biden laptop is. And we know they lied. We know they lied about it. They're either totally stupid or they lied. And I don't think they're totally stupid. And now we have our government, our dishonorable or dishonored or distrusted, let's say that, I don't want dishonored, distrusted, I think they're dishonored, but they're distrusted intelligence community interfering in Russian elections? And we're supposed to sit back and say, oh, that works for us? It doesn't work for us. The same people that are targeting American citizens as being a clear and present danger because we are not accepting the positions the policies, the approach of the current regime, the the same people that are targeting us because of that are targeting the rest of the world. And if you don't think it has an impact, you don't understand how these things work and the size and scope and the impact of the American government. So that story is breathtaking. It is American interference in foreign elections brazenly, brazenly, and using the same playbook that they used before that has been proven to be a lie. The, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was proven to be a lie in the Trump colluded with Russia a, a hoax and also in the Hunter Biden, it's Russian disinformation hoax. And they're doing the same playbook in Italy and big tech and big media will join big government and you will have an impact on the elections and the sovereignty of the people of Italy. If I was the Italians, I'd be up in arms at America as well they should be. That's what you need to know. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, we get so caught up with so many issues, so many things going on and the subpoenas here and upcoming elections there. All that's important. Uh, but I saw I got some um, uh, we've had as on the program before Rick Meta, and he's a uh, he worked over at the FDA. I forget his title there, but he's been in business. Uh, he is a pharmacist, which I find fascinating. I, I had a, a great pharmacy uh, owner, a businessman who was a pharmacist. It's like engineers. They just sort of know stuff in a systematic way. He's also an attorney, teaches over at uh, uh, Georgetown University uh, Law Center um, and has a lot of perspective on what's going on. Here's the one I wanted to talk about, the uh, Obamacare. We lost a, uh, uh, you know, the, the threat on that. I don't think we hear much about it, but it's still affecting things. And there was a federal r- a judge who recently ruled uh, on uh, Obamacare. So first, uh, Rick Mayda, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me back. Well, and so first, give me a broad uh, overview of, of of Obamacare at this point. I mean, the famous moment where um, former Senator, the late John McCain, voted no on any reform. So we are where we are. It's kind of moving along. But what are and we'll get to the specific ruling of this federal judge. But where are we with the Affordable Care Act, so-called Obamacare? Is it is it fully implemented? Is it is it in need of I hear the Democrats say they want to dump more money into it. What's going on with Obamacare? Yeah, you know, I think it's everything but the affordable part, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's expanded the health insurance for sure. But what it's done is also created significant burden on small businesses and others uh, to have skyrocketing premiums and affordability to enter into this uh, marketplace of, of for health insurance. So it's there, uh, you know, but, you know, I think what we're seeing is that the courts continue to pare back some of the overreach, a tremendous amount of overreach that the Affordable Care Act has uh, uh, put on put on private citizens and so again we're talking with uh, rick meta and um, rick remind me i think you have a, a website for all your stuff i don't have it in front of me so remind me of your website or where you prefer people come to see what you're up to Yes, you can find me at rickmeta.com. That's R-I-K-M-E-H-T-A.com. Great. I'll make sure to put that up on our social media. So now to the specifics. You mentioned that the ACA, the so-called Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare, is sort of being implemented. Uh, One of the real wild cards, which we'll go into, is how much of it is implemented by the bureaucrats. Uh, You know, it's sort of the the healthcare version of, of the administrative state. You know, the authority was given over, go do this, and now you've got bureaucrats doing things. And challenges to it. And maybe we'll talk now about the specific provision of the Affordable Care Act that was covering free drugs for HIV infection. Federal judge said, yeah, that was way past what should have been expected. Walk us through what that ruling was. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, before I do that, I just okay, want to mention please. one thing about the Affordable Care Act. I'll tell you, um, it has in arguably, uh, in my opinion, and, and, and factually, has ruined the health professional system. Now, let me explain that. So what the Affordable Care Act did about 11 years ago, it's it mandated electronic health records. And now, even the uh, Democrat uh, administrations has done research to show that physician and nursing burnout, meaning doctors and nurses that are unhappy in their job, significantly percentage, over 60% of the reason they're burnt out is because of administrative tasks, uh, paperwork, electronic health records, and the same things that force that upon the healthcare system. So uh, that is something that hasn't been covered, hasn't been talked about. But I'll tell you, if you go see your doctor, the last thing you want him or her to be is burned out of their job. Now, 
to talk about the case in Texas, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, this is this is interesting. Uh, so, you know, a plaintiff, a small business owner argued that, you know, they didn't want to have to mandatorily pay for uh, a, a medicines to prevent HIV called PrEP, prophylactic, uh, prophylactic pre-exposure drugs to prevent HIV. Now, listen, arguably, this medicine has been a game changer for the um, uh, predominantly, I'd say, the gay home homosexual, bisexual, polyamorous community uh, that engage in this behavior uh, and many others to stop the transmission of HIV. I mean, it really has done a great job for, from a public health perspective. And that being said, the plaintiff claimed that they didn't want to facilitate or encourage homosexual behavior, IV drug use, sexual activity. Uh, and, you know, of course, the government defendants argued back saying that, you know, well, there's no proof that uh, that you know, paying for this drug would even uh, resort in that uh, type of behavior. Uh, but the judge ruled that, you know, that didn't matter. You know, if it was a uh, sincerely held belief under the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, uh, there is a religious exemption where unless it's part of a cost sharing system, you can't impute that kind of burden on someone that goes against their religious beliefs. And so, you know, again, uh, pairing back against these mandates that the Affordable Care Act has had on small businesses and private citizens. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Rick Mayday, teaches, uh, teaches law. He's a pharmacist originally. He's a lawyer, uh, has served in government. Um, when you see this ruling, um, OK, so it makes sort of it makes common sense when I read it. I mean, I haven't studied the ruling, but um, how many other aspects of the law are, are we missing because there's not enough hours in the day to challenge the expansion of it. In other words, if you have a fr- if you have a friendly bureaucrat, it's a little bit like I used to say in, in at the state level when I worked for the state of Missouri, um, there were administrative law judges who made decisions about uh, unemployment, for example, and other disability for and, and their policy was give as much as they could because they didn't really mind. It wasn't all they weren't they weren't managing the budget. And so you had this sort of epidemic of uh, workers comp that were granted the, and the workers comp judges were former workers comp plaintiffs attorneys and the system went spiraling in a way that there was no sort of third party check. There was no adversarial relationship to say, wait a second, that's not in the Obamacare, you know, and, and you needed these lawsuits and, and lawsuits are expensive and they're slow and they're tiresome. And in the world we're in, go ahead and raise your head. And I know you're you're fearless, Rick. Uh, you've also been a candidate for office. Raise your head and say, I'm against, uh, you know, kind of paying for free drugs for HIV, homosexual users. And everyone says, oh, you're a bigot. So you there's a million ways they try to moderate our interest in limiting the vast over expansion of these of these uh, laws. In this case, Obamacare, how much of Obamacare is sort of unchecked because the bureaucrats keep expanding? Yeah, well, and, and it's interesting, Ed, I'll, I, there is actually a second provision of this ruling that I think a lot of the legal pundits are really talking about that's created a lot of chatter. So the application of the religious exemptions to this very seemingly straightforward application, right. uh, building off the Supreme Court's recent, you know, Religious Freedom Restoration Act uh, decisions. However, the judge went uh, further to say that uh, that this uh, prevent there's a body of government uh, agency called the United States Preventative Service. Services Task Force, which is a body of volunteers that 
actually makes healthcare. When I say recommendations, I use that term lightly. They actually make mandates. They make decisions as to what health insurance uh, insurance providers have to cover as part of like a preventative services or task force, which includes multiple things such as breast cancer screening, uh, you know, birth control, and, and in this case, HIV um, and uh, prophylactic uh, medicines. And now this body of volunteers, actually, the judge uh, explained is that they violated the appointments clause by the HHS secretary putting in this panel of people uh, versus the president appointing them and then being oh. Senate confirmed. And so you would think that, you know, someone that has so much authority about the cost of, you know, government use of taxpayer money would be um, senior officials and officers that are appointed by the president. And so uh, now the reason that, you know, people are talking about this is because part of this task force also uh, created preventative services and mandates related to immunizations, women's services, children's services. And so, you know, the question is, will the government go back and take a look at the appointments clause uh, oh. and properly apply it? And I thought that was the right ruling because, you know, this type of task force can get very expansive. And believe me, this is what's creating a lot of cost on the health insurance front. And and that's my point, Rick. And, and you know, I guess it's it's sort of up to um, it's up to uh, conservatives, up to citizens to say, hey, we have to push back and here's the ways to do it. But it is um, it is a challenge because there's a million fronts. And as it's almost like a, it's almost like a, um, a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's more bureaucrats justifying their jobs. They're saying more ways we can expand. Oh, we need this. We need this. We need this. And it keeps going down the line. Um, Rick, what what is the reality, however, after all these years of dramatically changing Obamacare? And by that, again, I know we're talking with Rick Mehta. He's uh, he's been in politics. He's ran for office. And I used to I tell people all the time, Rick, that the late Phyllis Schlafly ran my old boss, ran for office twice, lost both times and used to say it was really the best training for understanding the system was to run and lose. If you run and win, you think you're a genius. And most of the people that are in office do. But um, but so but so you have a perspective of having been in the regulatory agency, you know, studied and taught about this, been a, a healthcare professional and then even in, been in politics. What's the reality of Obamacare uh, being dramatically changed? Is it sort of water under the bridge? It's like going back to to, to change Medicare. You, you, you're just not going to you're not going to dramatically change it. You're going to have to tweak it because people have come to rely on it. Yeah, I think the reality is that it's going to take a lot of legislative fix um, uh, to change it, you know, and, and it's not going to happen under a full Democrat control. You know, right now, Democratic president, Democratic legislator uh, going to be very tough to try to, you know, take out the parts that are creating a burden on on private citizens uh, through the court system and will take a congressional, uh, you know, act, actions. Uh, and that's going to have to come from, you know, more strong, staunch uh, Republicans that believe in free market. Uh, want to do right for Americans uh, holistically. Um, and, you know, again, this will have to be done under, uh, you know, the guise of, you know, wanting to advance public health. And certainly you can do that. You can do that through free market principles. Uh, we've done it before, but creating government mandates, uh, even through the um, Inflation Reduction Act, now there's a government price fixing scheme, uh, which has the potential to crush, crush medical innovation. Uh, and again, that hasn't gotten a lot of attention yet, you know, at the same time. 
time, you know, President Biden's touting his moonshot program about new cancer therapeutics, uh, while at the same time, the industries that create these innovations are saying, well, your own actions are going to crush uh, the incentive programs that are there to bring these for America to continue to lead medical innovation, uh, mm. especially at a time where we certainly need it the most. So it's going to take uh, strong people who truly understand the system. Otherwise, the system is just going to get, uh, you know, again, unmanageable and too big uh, to fail type of approach, just like you said, you know, with uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, Rick Meta again at rickmeta.com, R-I-C-M-E-H-T-A, and also on Twitter. I just was looking at your Twitter feed, uh, at Rick Meta. Uh, is it underscore NJ or is it NJ? Yeah, underscore NJ. Um, and so uh, thanks, Rick. Uh, it's interesting, and I think your voice on this, having your, again, experience, having your foot in the in the uh, policy side from working in the government and then uh, business side from being a healthcare professional pharmacist and then understanding the politics, important one. So thank you for your time, Rick. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll put up on social media all those links uh, to where they are and uh, to his stuff. Uh, Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, my listeners know, Cheryl, that I get favorites. I like to talk to writers and, and communicators and politicians sometimes, and I love to come back to them. And so I'm really happy. Cheryl Chumley is over at the Washington Times. She writes there, which is what I enjoy, but she's also, I think she's an editor, online editor maybe of the op-ed page. Uh, and uh, she's just great to to uh, follow and to read along. And there was a piece she wrote a few days ago, the title of which is Republicans, Democrats, agree colon doomsday civil war loom large now the photo is a great photo of i think the super bowl or or a, a, a football game with a big american flag so it wasn't as uh, worrisome as the headline but welcome back cheryl chumley how are you i'm doing great thank you so much for having me well you're welcome so um now you are um You've been watching a lot of the rhetoric for years because you're a writer. And by the way, she's available at CK Chumley on Twitter. That's the wrong phrase. You can follow her on Twitter at CK Chumley. Um, But you've been following, you know, for decades, you've been a writer. You've been writing and communicating. Is it dramatically different today? Is the moment different completely? Yeah, don't you? I mean, you, you don't even do. need to pay attention to the <laughs> yeah. rhetoric. To, yeah, yeah to, just to feel the tone has shifted in America. When you have a president of the United States stand up against a blood red background with two Marines at parade rest and vilify half of America, uh, that is something that's different. And especially if this president was supposed to have come into office on a campaign pledge to unify the country, which really wasn't that broken in the first place. It's only broken when Democrats have at it right (laughs) well cheryl is the but who's so whose fault is it in the sense that um i i'm always surprised by friends of mine who have believed sort of the the brainwashing on trump and i always pause and i tell them look 
I'm a conservative, actually. There was a whole bunch of things he did that weren't as conservative as I am. And, you know, and I went along because it was my party that won. And I thought, you know, I'll take him at his word. Even, for example, on COVID, he listened to some experts that I think most people think it was a terrible decision. But so it's it's I'm like, where do you see the Nazi in this? But they've been brainwashed and they've really been brainwashed. And I blame the media and social media. Yeah, and I, I blame the media and social media, but I blame the individuals, too, because I distinctly remember when Donald Trump came down that escalator with Melania, right? And right. basically marking the start of his entry into politics. And I remember a couple of the hosts on Fox News giggling and laughing and starting that whole talk about the Circus Act and so forth. And that was Fox News. At the same time, you had all the leftists come out and start taking positive shots at this guy, which not it's not only discourteous, but it's it's very uh, vulgar and unnecessary. And that is when Donald Trump showed his stripes and started fighting back. Donald Trump, and I've, I've watched him closely, and I follow politics closely, he doesn't take the first shot. He takes shots after he's been attacked, <laughs> and right. he fights back very well. So for people, conservatives especially, to look at his Twitter feed and just, oh, this is awful. Awful. We don't need a president like this anymore, and he should never run for office again. Well, that's just ridiculous. Think of the things he did for the nation, and consider that actions speak louder than words. We're talking with uh, Cheryl Chumley. She writes over at the Washington Times and uh, is also on Twitter, and and she um, she's uh, um, uh, an editor there. Um, um, Cheryl, uh, when the President of the United States, Joe Biden, said that people that hold a certain position is, is, are a clear and present danger. You know, what I tell people is that's not just a Tom Clancy novel. That's not just a Harrison Ford movie. That's language from the U.S. Supreme Court that said, if you are a clear and present danger, you can have your rights limited. And the real twist on this for me is it's not just a description of, say, being deplorable. I, it feels to me like a call to action that if you see around you a clear and present danger, don't you have to stop them? You know, let, let, let's roll. I mean, you know, that's how. The, and so the people that are suddenly and you watch the linking of 9-11 to uh, January 6th or to people that have a certain position in MOG America. That's the problem. That's to me what's really haunting. And that may not work the first day when he said clear and present danger. It may not have led everyone to go and sort of find the MAGA person in them, but it works over time. Yeah, and certainly over time, this has been the narrative from the Democrat Party. He's just coming in at the tail end, uh, you know, talking about conservatives as if we're semi-fascist, clear and present dangers, and so forth. But go back a few years, I think it was 2015, 2016, Nancy Pelosi calling for summers of resistance. Uh, Maxine Waters uh, calling for Democrats and liberals to take to the streets and and broach uh, MAGA types at their homes, at their places of business. Chuck Schumer, the the winds, you will reap the winds of whatever to to, uh, Kavanaugh. So this is the language of the far left. And it's really no surprise that the low information voters that make up most of the Democrat Party camp nowadays take that as a rally cry to go out in the streets. And of course, they form bands of thugs to do just that. Black Lives Matter, Antifa. And where are the Democrat leadership uh, members then telling them to call themselves and go home quiet and cowering in their own offices. Uh, we're talking with uh, Cheryl Chum.
Chumley. Again, she's uh, an author. You can go to CherylChumley.com, her website also, and you can see her book. She wrote a book, uh, Lockdown, um, uh, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Um, Cheryl, again, as an observer of, um, of politics and, and, and um, the sort of ebb and flow, Republicans appear poised to win at the national level, the House and maybe the Senate. Um, in lots of states, it looks like there's more um, conservatives. If they're Republicans, sometimes they are, but sometimes it's nonpartisan races for school board and others. Um, but at the national level for a second, do you see um, have have Republicans slash conservatives in public office learned the lessons of the covid lockdowns and the 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 power of what they did to Trump of the election irregularities in 2020? Are they did they learn the lessons and will it be different or is this a sort of the same as it always is where when the pendulum swims back, swings back, the Republicans get power, but they, they haven't necessarily really learned it's a different moment. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go with your your latter statement <laughs> on that, that that it doesn't change. Look, you know, two things in life are, are uh, you can't fight them: death and taxes. But I would add to that list the Republican Party. They're they're not going to change their stripes because the Republican Party is not in it for the American citizen. Now, conservatives, right? That's a different branding than the Republican Party. Conservative people are, but if you're looking to the Republican Party to save America. And to learn lessons from the lockdowns, I would just ask you this. Where's all the, all the legislation uh, that guarantee American citizens cannot be locked down and kept from going to work or going to church or going to school even or business, wherever, on the streets, on the beaches? Where's all the legislation underscoring what is supposed to already be God-given rights in this country? You don't see much. You see a few players up on Capitol Hill that brought forward legislation uh, talking about lessons learned, as you put it, from the coronavirus to ensure that such lockdowns never occur again. But I don't see the entire Republican Party behind those bills. And that's a concern. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the 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 uh, question is whether, again, you know, the 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 the, the media, the, the big tech and big media certainly are used against us. But it does let the conservative voices be heard a little differently than before. And you sort of watch in the old days. I hate to say this being too glib, but Hannity would steer us in one direction. You wouldn't know. Well, we didn't have Tucker and Tucker doesn't get steered. It seems like in the same way on the on some of this sort of populist issues. What's your prediction, Cheryl, for the fall? I mean, do you have a feeling that it's a red wave? Uh, Do you have a feeling that there's more irregularities than ever? I mean, what's your sense on the fall? Well, um, I do have uh, have an instinct that it's going to be a red wave, and not because of Democrats' lack of trying to do more mail-in balloting and expand uh, the the longer election day into election month. But a lot of Republicans have uh, have really uh, clamped down on election laws in their respective states. So that's a good thing. And I don't believe the polls that have come out lately saying, oh, Republicans may not win as as heartily as once predicted. I think every poll that comes out closer to Election Day leans left. And I think uh, I think most savvy American voters are aware of that. Yeah. You know, I, I, Cheryl, I used to tell people, I, you know, I was chairman of the Missouri Republican Party and um, and so I know Missouri pretty well. And in 16, the, the pollsters kept coming. They came back down the stretch and they said, it looks like it's tight in Missouri and Trump is up by three or four. And I said, yeah, I don't know about it. he won by 19. 
You know, I mean, he won by 19, right? I mean, this, and they did this in 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's close. And they later, no one ever got fired or, you know, uh, whatever for that. So uh, I think you're right. I, I think it, again, you, there'll be some irregularities in cheating as usual, but I think they, the wave looks like it may um, be big enough that it, it overcomes all that, a lot of that. So, all right, Cheryl Chumley, I got to run. Uh, I will put up on social media. Cheryl Chumley.com is her website. You can see all her books. She's written a number of books and also over on Twitter at CK Chumley. Um, and at the Washington Times, she writes over there, uh, too. Thank you, Cheryl, for the time. Thank you. God bless. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, over at ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for the daily email and get links to all these great interviews. We'll be back in a moment. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When will panderers to the globalist elites learn that trying to appease the left never turns out in the end? Attorney General Bill Barr refused to investigate or challenge unlawful election procedures in 2020, but instead quit and thereby left his office vacant at a crucial time. During his recent book tour, Barr had the gall to blame Trump for not spending 20 to $30 million of his own money to do the job that Barr should have done at the Department of Justice. As a result of his unjustified carping against Trump, Barr was subpoenaed by Dominion in its lawsuit against Fox News. Barr then found himself required to answer under oath whether he had personal knowledge about voting procedures exploited by Democrats in 2020, and to explain under oath how he did nothing to investigate sketchy results. Election integrity is an issue that too many Republican officials have run away from for far too long. The collapse in Joe Biden's approval ratings is not due entirely to unemployment or any desire for gun control, which Joe Biden signed into law amid much fanfare. Biden's low approval rating may not even be due to his age. Instead, Biden's problem may be that many of the votes supposedly cast for him in 2020 were the result of paid ballot harvesters dumping ballots into illegal absentee drop boxes. Those ballots could have been filled in for voters who never felt any allegiance to Biden to begin with. If more than 80 million Americans earnestly voted for Joe Biden less than two years ago, then you would expect Biden to have more support today. If millions of ballots were filled in by paid ballot harvesters, Biden's low approval rating today is partly the result of too few people wanting him in the first place. True winners don't have to cheat after all. Whether or not Biden's abysmal approval ratings can be attributed to election issues, the low numbers are there nonetheless. As Democrats go into midterm elections, they'll be held accountable for their leader's failure to capture the hearts of the American people. If they want long-term success and popularity, they should focus on policies that help the American people rather than relying on crooked ballot harvesters. From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, we have uh, a um, some work to do. Let me tell you a quick story um, and make sure that you um, recognize the importance of this. So we have talked a couple times on the air about the effort by some folks to want to have a, um, a um, constitutional convention. Under Article 5 of the Constitution, you can call a convention if a bunch of states band together. And so people have said, you know, the things are out of control. We need a convention. And for years, maybe 30 years, the late Phyllis Schlafly and I helped her and John Schlafly and Andy Schlafly and others said, hey, wait a second. Um, especially Phyllis was the one who led. If you have a new convention, what are you going to get? The Constitution is like one of the most miraculous documents in history. So if you have a new convention, do you really think you're going to do better than you got there? And why, if people are ignoring the Constitution, which is the claim, and, and I see that, you know, they, they read into the Constitution living things and all, why would a new Constitution be abided by people who don't abide by the old one? You see what I mean? And as, as uh, someone once said, if you uh, look around, you see a lot of Ben, you don't see a lot of Ben Franklins. You do see some Barney Franks and others, you know, that would go to a convention. A constitutional convention would include delegates sent from California like Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, Governor Newsom. So, yeah, you'd offset them with some guys from Texas and gals from South Dakota, you know, Christy Nome, Governor Nome or whatever. But I, it's a disaster anyway. So there's been a movement and there's been money behind it. And it's been a sort of left right alliance. Some conservatives who are so sick of the abuse of the Constitution and some left wingers that hate the Constitution, Soros types, and they banded together. And there's lots of money there. Because if you get rid of the American Constitution, which protects property rights, patents, it has a balance of power that's been pretty darn good, et cetera, et cetera. If you get rid of that, you could really do some damage to the world and to the country, the nation. So there's been a lot of us that oppose it. Well, one of the people that was sort of for it saying things had gotten so bad was Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck said, you know, things have gotten so bad. I think we have to go ahead and and pull the escape uh, button, you know, pull the escape hatch, pull the, the uh, pull the, the, the pull the pin. Now that's the wrong word. <laughs> pull the chute, you know, and, and pull a lever and let's go because we got to have some way to solve this problem. And so a lot of people, felt, you know, sort of made that argument. A number of people, you know, I, I quickly point out to people when if you tried to limit the constitutional convention, you couldn't. Everybody admits that. It would be a runaway convention. You'd have all kinds of things in there for all time, like abortion on demand and and all sorts of crazy things. Transgender at this point. So Glenn Beck has been a voice for a few years now saying, yeah, you know, things are so bad. We got to take the escape hatch of Article 5 and have a a so-called convention of states. And in the last couple of days, he's come out and said, yeah, I can't do that. He said, it's, it's, it, you can't trust what's going on with the media and other things. And I, I won't speak for him except to say him shifting away from that to me is common sense. And I think more and more people will look up and say, we can't risk America and our constitution on the people and the media and big tech that would try to run this. So I don't think we can do it, but it's a big deal. All right, I got to run. I'm out of time. Sorry, I'm out of time, but uh, that's a big deal. Uh, Glenn Beck opposes the so-called Convention of States. Uh, we got to run. Thank you, Noah Dingley, uh, for all your great work as our producer. Joanna Spilger for all your work. And have a great weekend, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you next week. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.